The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran some people go vegan to save the world and i certainly hope we succeed at that other people go vegan to change themselves they've already succeeded And every person who changes themselves changes the world a little bit. And then we have all these incredible ripple effects. So you know what? You absolutely cannot do this wrong. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Program. Very happy to have you with us today. We are really mixing it up on this episode Uh, We're going to have a whole lot of fun. We're going to talk about a couple of things that are only vaguely related, but they are kind of related because they have to do with hormones and attraction and falling in love. So in the second half, we're going to be talking about a hormonal downside, and that is hot flashes. But we're going to be talking about them with the most upside person you can imagine, and that is Dr. Neil Barnard, whom everybody's crazy about. And he has come up with a hot flash diet. Wonder what that's going to be all about. And in our first segment, we're going to be reaching out to the singles out there to talk about dating in this really bizarre time. You know, it's always a little bit tricky to date when you're vegan because it kind of cuts down on the numbers somewhat. (laughs) But it's hard out there now for just about everybody. And we have an expert. We have someone who knows quite a bit about that who's going to fill us in. And he is Zach Schlein. He uh, ran and sold the dating blog Top Romp. And he is now the co-founder and CEO of the video speed dating app Filter Off, which has been featured in publications such as the New York Times and on the BBC. And it hit number one on Product Hunt. And what is cool about filter off is it's a general app. It's for everybody. You know, all the omnivores and other people looking for love (laughs) can find it there. But 
filter app sees how many vegans there are out there and that we have some special issues. And so they zero in on some of the needs of vegans in a very special way, which was one of the reasons I wanted to invite Zach on today. So welcome, Zach Schlein, filter off. Hi, Victoria. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful to talk with you. So here we are thinking we were post-pandemic, but now we're kind of not. What's a person who wants to be in the dating world to do with all of this? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, right? I mean, obviously, every, every person has their own perspective, how they want to date, given the times. But uh, filter off the video first speeding app. And we have vegan date nights that we run monthly. So the challenge, right, as any individual who may be vegan, you may meet another vegan, you don't know if they're single or not, if you have that attraction. And the nice thing about this sort of event, there's no questions, everyone's single, and you can date like-minded people. Cool. So when you just hear from your, your clients overall, what are they telling you? How, how is being single and dating different now than it was two years ago? Yeah, I think during the pandemic, uh, there's been a total shift in dating and online dating. People now being on Zoom and video chat all the time. Uh, video chatting with a complete stranger really is no big deal. And they really appreciate the ability to video chat before meeting in person uh, for a couple reasons. One, around safety. And then two, around efficiency. It's often expensive or time-consuming to go on an in-person date and quickly realize there's no chemistry or attraction. And the beauty of uh, a video-first experience is it cuts out all that, and you can see if there is a fit. And then if there is, then you can always meet in person. Sounds good. So what about vegans? I mean, obviously, our percentages in the population are still lower than we'd like. So what happens on vegan date night? Yeah, sure. So filter off it's available on Android, iOS and web. Once you install the app and you create your profile, you go to the events tab and you'll see all sorts of events. If you search for the vegan event, you'll see uh, that event that is run monthly. Um, once you RCP to that event, it'll be added to your calendar. Once the event begins, you press start video date in the app itself or on the web app and you're Dates are scheduled with other vegans and you go on these like speed dates and uh, at the end of each of your speed dates, it'll ask you whether you like each other. Then you go on to the next date. At the end of the event, you'll see if you have any matches. If you matched with anyone, any other vegan singles, you could then message or video call them again within the app. So you don't have to exchange any personal information right off the bat. It's really just about getting to know them uh, through the filter off platform. And you also have something that I think takes care of some of the geographical discrepancies, because obviously you've got people all over the world using filter off. So if somebody is in New York City and they think somebody in China is really great, that would be difficult. Yeah, for sure. So we do host these two recurring vegan date nights, one for people in the U.S., one uh, around the world. But what's also really nice is we invite our, our users to create their own events. So if you are in New York City and you are a vegan or maybe very passionate about it and run a, a community, you could even create your own event on the Filter Off app. 
um, at no charge. Um, when you're in the events tab, you'll see the ability to create your event. You could configure it, uh, set the radius so it's just for New York City folks, and then you could share it um, with your community and just allow other vegans to connect uh, romantically. Ah, that's sweet. So tell me about you. What what kind of guy gets into the dating app business? Yeah, I think for me, I've always been obsessed with the ability to connect um, deeply uh, through the internet. And I think it's just a really efficient way to connect. And But what I've seen now uh, running a dating blog um, and trying many dating apps and also dating as well is it's just a really broken process. Like I mentioned, going on $100 dates, quickly realizing uh, it's not a match. And for me, I, I started experimenting with video chatting before meeting in person. And it was like a no brainer. And I was like, this is what I want to bring to the world, help people connect romantically through like-minded interests and community with a video first experience. And that's what Filter Off is all about. Well, it, it certainly seems to be getting a lot of attention and a lot of press. So what made you decide that vegans were a demographic that you could zero in on a little bit? Yeah, I think no matter who you are, right, everyone innately wants love and connection. Um, and for people who are vegan and very passionate, I understand you are passionate. And oftentimes you want your partner or people to date that are also have this, this interest and uh, because oftentimes your values are really aligned and it is difficult to find other singles that are aligned with you. And at Filter Off, we just make it really easy, really, really easy to connect with really like-minded individuals. And like I mentioned, you could even do so within your community at a really hyper local level, or you could just join one of our general vegan day nights. Sounds good. Um, not being single. Uh <laughs> Thank God I don't need it. But I certainly remember those times and just when we were in the kind of beginning stages of, of having ways to meet other than having somebody introduce you to somebody that they thought would be compatible with you. And then you would meet and think, what were they thinking? So um, you're doing good work in the world. So what what would you say to somebody who's single who's just thinking, oh my gosh, got to get back out there. Everything's just weird and different. So you've got this great app. That's cool. What after that? Any any tips on connecting, making, um, making a true connection with somebody, whether you're still in the video stage or whether you've met? Yeah, sure. So I think the beauty of Filter Off, we really do care about quality over quantity. That's why we have a vegan date night, you may go on eight video dates um, in literally less than an hour. So hopefully you do have some matches and it, it takes time. Um, it may take more than one event to find your person, find your match. But when you do find your match, that's the beauty of Filter Off. You could hop back on another video chat. So you coordinate a new time to video chat and you could chat as long as you'd like and see if you uh, have that connection and really get to know them and talk about uh, why you went vegan and how the experience has been and share and relate. And I think that's what connection is all about is seeing if this could be someone that is a potential fit for 
um, years down the line. So it's really yeah. up to you whether it's uh, casual or even like minded, like to for marry uh, marriage minded. So it's really up to you and what you and how uh, what you're looking to pursue. But that's the goal is just to connect. Uh, and that must make you feel really good. I mean, I'm just happy if I introduce two people and they become friends or they can do good work <laughs> together. But the idea that you can put people together who in some cases are going to have a life together, that's that's pretty satisfying stuff. So the website is getfilteroff.com. They're Filter Off on Facebook and Filter Off Dating on Instagram. So where did you come up with this name? Yeah, I think when you're using other apps, um, whether it's dating apps or even uh, social media, filters are prevalent. And when you want to get to meet someone, um, I think the hope is you have an idea of what they look like and it's true to form and the beauty of filter off. It's, it's not about your photos or your bios, but it's about you as a person and it goes beyond the filter and it's really about your authentic self. Um, and that's where the name is derived from. Wow. Well, talk to me about the authentic self in the current world. Cause I'm older, I'm a boomer and I look at, the world out there and it's like wow the world looks different to me and sometimes i think this authenticity is totally there because people are so close and, and they can get connected so easily online and then in other ways it's like oh my gosh it just seems like people go online to show the parts of their their being that they wouldn't want to show in person so What's it like? How is it to be authentic online in 2021? Yeah, I think just right. Joining a vegan date night just shares a lot a bit about yourself. Um, and you're uh, trying to meet other people that are like minded. But I think on one case, right, like uh, the power of the Internet, like we you can connect so easily. And that's the beauty of technology. But on the other hand, it could get very overwhelming and you can feel like there's just so many options and you don't know what direction to go. And I think the beauty with filter off, we, we stopped looking at dating and connection as a transaction and more from a community, a communal experience. And I think that that feeling of being a part of a community, um, something that you offer um, or other communities that people are a part of, it allows them to learn more about themselves, understand how others feel as well, what others are going through, how they can relate. And I think focusing on community is just really healthy for all just like humans, I think, um, versus a very one-on-one -on -one transactional approach. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And I think that's kind of where the world is heading. Sometimes I look out at, at the world beyond my... <laughs> initial my, my immediate circle and some things are just looking as everybody knows really unfortunate but then there are these points of light that are very very um hopeful and and that's i think what you're talking about so if you're single if you know somebody who's single get filteroff.com check out filter off dating on instagram 
there is a monthly special event for vegans. And if you want to host your own event for vegans and the veg curious and whoever else you find interesting in your part of the world, um, you can do that through the good people at Filter Off. So thank you so much, Zach. And uh, thanks for thinking of Main Street Vegan. Thanks, Victoria. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys. So we've got a, a few minutes until break, and I'm just going to take that opportunity to hang out with you. Oh, I don't get this opportunity very often. I love it. Love it so much. Want to let you know that we have a Main Street Vegan listeners Facebook group, Main Street Vegan Podcast listeners group, and that's kind of our inner circle. So if you would like to join that, we would love to have you, and then you can put in your questions for our upcoming uh, guests. You can tell us what you like, what you want more of, and um, have a little bit of say in how things go here. So hope to see you there. And while we're online, uh, I'd also like to invite everybody to follow me on Instagram at Victoria Moran Author. And what is really fun about that is I'm zeroing in on my Ayurvedic vegan lifestyle, which a lot of people are finding really interesting because I was feeling kind of puny this spring and I got very serious about Ayurveda. I went to Florida and did Panchakarma. That is when Ayurveda pulls out all the stops. And now I'm really living this very interesting health-promoting lifestyle that is connected to yoga. It's a science, 5,000 years old, but its roots are in spirituality, which really suits me. Now, we have so many wonderful science people on this program, and science is amazing. To somebody like me, I think, yeah, science is how God talks to us. Science is the explanation of of what is happening in a, a cosmic way. And that's cool and we love it. But for somebody like me, I am very excited when there is a way of, of living, a way of being in the world that has some spirituality in its roots. And that's what Ayurveda is about. So that's why I am so jazzed about it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my favorite Ayurvedic food, and that is kitchari. So if you've got um, pencil and paper, maybe you can write down this recipe, or you could join the Main Street Vegan Podcast Listeners Facebook group and just say, send me the recipe, uh, and, and I'll, I'll get you a, a kitchari recipe that way. So kitchari, you'll see it spelled a couple of ways. The easiest is just phonetically, K-I-T-C-H-R-I. It is the most calming, beautiful dish. Sometimes in traditional Ayurvedic cookbooks, you'll see lots of ghee, which is clarified butter, and, and sometimes some other dairy. But kitchari can be just as classic as you want it and never touch any kind of dairy. So, and it's so simple. So what I do is every morning get my little um, crock pot for two and put some grain and some 
small bean together. So classically, kitchari is rice. You can use brown basmati rice or even white basmati rice if your digestion is quite perturbed and you just need to be real gentle with yourself for a day or two. And then an equal amount of split mung beans. And these in an Indian market are called split mung dal. So digestible. So if you have any trouble digesting beans, I know sometimes as vegans, this is like a big secret. We never want to say, oh my gosh, beans give me gas. Beans give a lot of people gas. But if you have the split mung dal, They're much, much easier to digest. And if you think of it and you can soak your beans and even your rice overnight before you put them in the slow cooker, then that's going to add even more to that digestibility. Now, you're not just stuck with rice and, and mung dal. You could also use millet or quinoa, uh, some other grain of your choosing. And in terms of the beans, there are other kinds of dal. You can just use um, lentils, like pink lentils. Those cook very easily. Um, And there are split peas, uh, urad dal, if you're shopping in an Indian market. So you got your bean and your grain, and you can put either vegetable broth on that. I like the Engine 2 vegetable broth that you can get at Whole Foods. comes from uh, our friend Rip Esselstyn. Or you can just use water. And I put it on high usually, and I can turn it down later if it seems like it's already cooked. But what you want is this exquisite comfort food. So that's just going to simmer. And if you want to put... yams or winter squash or potatoes in it, you can put that in at the beginning. And if you want to put vegetables that cook a little bit more quickly than that, kind of a couple of hours in, you can put your carrots or your broccoli or your kale. And if you want to use really quick cooking, maybe greens like baby spinach, you can just stir that in right at the end. But sometime between starting your kitchery and when you finish it, you want to do the amazing healing spices. So what I like to do is saute my spices in a little bit of avocado or macadamia nut oil, an oil that has a low smoking, a high smoking point. Now, I know a lot of you listening are very adamantly no oil. I totally respect that. You can also just use the spices as is, or you can dry roast them. You can just put them in in your pan and, and stir them up a little bit. And that brings out some of the flavor that way too. There's always a way to honor yourself and respect yourself and uh, discover new things as well. So we're going to start first by sauteing the seeds and then we're going to get to the powders. Now, there are all kinds of spices that are available to use in kitchery and we're going to talk about some of the classic ones. So we've been talking about digestion Well, fennel is absolutely a specific for digestion. So you can saute some fennel seeds, maybe a half teaspoon to a teaspoon of of fennel seeds. You can also use um, mustard seeds, which are good for digestion and, and high in antioxidants. And you can use a little bit of even 
fenugreek seed. Most people have only used fenugreek for tea if they have heard of it at all. It's a little bit bitter, so you don't want to use very much, maybe a quarter of a teaspoon. But all of these um, seeds are, are wonderful, full of antioxidants, really good for a person. And then after you've stirred those in a little bit and they maybe start to pop, you can add ginger. So grated fresh ginger is ideal. You can certainly use dried ginger if you like. Ginger is, a, again, a specific for digestion. It's also very, very calming. Um, cumin, coriander, turmeric. And anytime you use turmeric, you want to use some ground black pepper so that all of those wonderful phytochemicals in the turmeric are available for you. And there's just all kinds of other spices you can put in there. Uh, you can use coriander. Um, you can use curry leaves, which you can get fresh at an Indian market, or you can order them dried. And that's one of the cool things about kitchery. It is never the same two days in a row. Uh, and a little bit of uh, Himalayan salt if you're not salt-free. And you just let that thing cook until lunchtime. And it just makes you feel like somebody just gave you a hug or, or wrapped you in a blanket. So that is one of my Ayurvedic suggestions. And I give uh, suggestions like that on Instagram at Victoria Moran author. Would love to have you uh, follow there and just let me know that you're a listener and then I can follow you back. So a couple of other things that are going on in my world is I just read the most amazing book. It's actually the second time I've read it, but the first time I read it as a book and the second time, I actually mentioned this last week when we were talking to Dr. Carol Saunders, but if you didn't catch that show, I'm so happy to have this opportunity to be sharing with you again. This time, I'm listening to it on Audible, and one of those absolutely amazing um, British actors <laughs> is reading the book, and that just makes a great big difference when you're hearing something from somebody who uh, who really knows really knows how to read. Whoops. I'm sorry. I'm causing I'm causing noise here because I'm trying to get the name of the actor, Ben Kingsley. Uh, <laughs> so, Ben Kingsley reading Autobiography of a Yogi. Times are challenging right now. And so, I think that we can use a challenging response to these times. And maybe of all the books I have ever read, Autobiography of a Yogi comes forth and says, this is what life is all about. You are fine. Your belief system is fine. You do not have to change anything about yourself in that way. You just have to be open to the absolute magnificent truth of how things are. So I just had a magnificent experience um, listening to a book on my phone. And uh, maybe you'd like to do that too. Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda. And we'll be back right after these messages with everybody's favorite fella, Dr. Neil Barnard.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's lovely to have you. And oh, my goodness, it's always so much fun to have Dr. Neil Barnard. Because you know what? He's the real deal. Don't you love it when somebody is smart and they're also kind and they know what they're talking about, and if you happen to ask them something that they don't know about, they'll actually tell you that they don't know, and they stand for something. And Dr. Neil Barnard, oh my goodness, he has stood for good things for so very long as the founder and president of Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is about healing people with a whole food plant-based diet, and about healing this planet and its creatures. And PCRM doesn't just stop with human diet. PCRM has been at the forefront of getting animals out of laboratories, out of medical classrooms, because it's just karmic good sense. You can't heal yourself while putting all of that cruelty out into the world. So one of my favorite people on earth, New York Times best-selling author, rock musician, and really good guy. Welcome, Dr. Neil Barnard. Oh, thank you, Victoria. It's great to be with you again. And may I say that was the nicest introduction I've ever had. Oh, bless you. When you've had plenty of introductions. So we talked last year about your latest book, Your Body in Balance, which has to do with hormones, you know, both genders and all throughout life and all that stuff. Fabulous, fabulous book. And yet it seems like readers of that book have been asking you for more, 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 more on hot flashes. So that's really a problem. What are you telling them? Well, I have to say we had a kind of a peculiar experience that, that led to a really good result. And um, Your Body and Balance came out just as the pandemic was kicking into high gear. And so um, I had to cancel any book tour events and all that kind of stuff. And so we had a little time on our hands where we could do some research studies. We ended up doing a research study on hot flashes. And the reason that we did it was a reader called me up and she said, I read the chapter on menopause. And it said, here are the things to do to make hot flashes go away. I did what you said, and my hot flashes were gone in five days. And anyway, she, she was telling me about her experience, and I thought, five days? I didn't promise they'd be gone that fast. I mean, that's that, that sounded like better than what we had suggested. So I asked her to tell me in detail what had she actually done to make her hot flashes go away. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I want to test 
your interpretation of it to see if this will work really well for other women. She said, okay, well, first of all, scrupulously vegan and a very clean vegan diet, plant-based diet. Step two, very, very low in fat. So getting away from the guacamole and stuff. Step three, she had soybeans, but not just tofu or edamame or soy milk. She would have a half a cup of cooked soybeans every day. She took her Instant Pot and filled it full of soybeans and, and cooked them. And when she said that, the light went off in my head because we knew, we've known for a long time that, say, edamame, the, the little little pods they give you in the Japanese restaurant, they, those are immature soybeans. And if you let them grow for a longer period of time on the vine, they turn into mature soybeans, which happen to have a lot more isoflavones in them. These are the anti-hot flash magic. Um, much more than in tofu, much more than in soy milk, the whole soybean is almost like anti-hot anti flash medicine. And she said that combination knocked out my hot flashes. So I thought, all right, you're one person, let's see if it works for others. So we brought in 38 people, half did not make a diet change, half did. And they did exactly what she did. Um, completely vegan, very low, scrupulously low in fat, and a half cup of cooked soybeans every day. And we, and we found all kinds of ways to make them really fun to cook and to work with. And what we found was really cool. Um, uh, when you look at the moderate to severe hot flashes, the ones that really trouble a person and wake them up from sleep, they drop by 84% on average. Um, we, from about five a day to less than one a day. And 60% of their people didn't have any at all. They just were flat out gone by 12, uh, 12 weeks. So that's, that's it. Um, we, we discovered that this is a really good way to go and all the side effects are good ones. That is amazing. Now, a lot of people would obviously say just the opposite, like soy, oh my gosh, soy is going to give you too much estrogen. It's going to cause breast cancer, etc. And what do you say to those folks? Yeah, well, they're, they're sort of a third of the way there. Um, soybeans have isoflavones that are active in your body. Um, they have names like genistine and daidzine. And they will attach to, they'll attach to estrogen receptors. And that's what got everyone nervous because they thought that means they're, you're going to get cancer if you consume them. But the data didn't turn out that way. When you look at people consuming the most soy, say women in Asia or Asian American women for whom tofu and, and, and soy products are everyday fare. Uh, women consuming the most soy have about 30% less risk of breast cancer than women who generally avoid soy. And for those who happen to have been diagnosed with breast cancer in the past, their cancer mortality is cut by about the same amount, about 25 or 30%. So soy does just the opposite of what kind of urban myth is. It, it reduces cancer risk and reduces cancer mortality. And the explanation for that comes from what soy actually does. There's a, there are actually two major classes of estrogen receptors. Alpha receptors, that's what estradiol attaches to. That's what the hormone replacement therapy, that's estradiol, that attaches to the alpha receptor. That increases cancer risk. Isoflavones preferentially attached to beta receptors. And think of it in your car, you got the gas pedal, makes you go faster, you got the brake, makes you go slower. The beta receptor is the brake, and that's what the soy isoflavones activate. So they're an anti-cancer 
forest, not a pro-cancer forest. Are there other foods that have isoflavones? Yeah, there are lots of them. Uh, beans in general have them, and you'll see them in, in vegetables and other foods. The thing about the soy, soybeans, is that for some reason they got the lion's share of it, and especially when the soybeans are mature. I, this, soybeans are, are different from other beans. If you look at pinto beans or black beans, uh, which are great and we should eat lots of them, uh, their fat content is super low. For soybeans, it's substantially higher. And their isoflavone content, it's there, but it's not as high as soy. So you, don't get me wrong, soy is totally not optional. You don't have to have it. Um, if you have it, get organic, uh, which is always non-GMO by law. So, so that's great. But, um, but if people take advantage of it, it is really, really, really effective against uh, hot flashes. Boy, that is so exciting because women can really, really suffer with, with hot flashes. It's not just some kind of a little passing thing that somebody can make a joke about. So are, are you still here, Dr. Bernard? I certainly am. Okay. <laughs> Lost your uh, picture for a minute. Oh, so just can you back up a little bit for us and just explain what hot flashes are? Why on earth would somebody have to be visited by such an uncomfortable occurrence. It's vasodilation. What's happening is that the blood, the tiny blood vessels that are in your skin suddenly open up. And when they do, it's just like a radiator turning on the faucet. So the hot water goes all into the radiator and suddenly it's 150 degrees. Um, and nobody knows exactly why this occurs so much. But when in the menopausal period, when estrogen levels shut down, they occur. They will also occur in women who are being treated, particularly for breast cancer, with anti-hormone medicines. They will occur. They'll occur in men uh, with some hormone treatments as well. And so it's. It, but the, the, what's happening is vasodilation, and the problem with it is, even though they're relatively short in duration, they can be intense. Uh, not for everybody, but for some women, you're sitting in a board meeting. It's three o'clock in the afternoon and suddenly it's 150 degrees and you're drenched with sweat. And then uh, 90 seconds later, you're chilled. And that can happen four or five, six times a day. And if they happen at night, it wakes you up. You're in wet sheets and you just never get any good night's sleep and you're not feeling good about it. And you go to the doctor who says, well, I'll give you hormones, but the hormones have a lot of side effects and you can't take them for a long period of time without substantial risk. So that's where that's that's the bind women have been in. And and right now I'm seeing that the diet approach is affects very, very effective, quite safe. And in our in the study that we just published in the journal Menopause, the average woman lost eight pounds. So uh -huh. they're going vegan, they're getting rid of their hot flashes. And you know, Victoria, you, you and I have both seen this. I know many people have too. Um, you might change your diet for one reason, but then all kinds of other reasons come in and you think, I'm glad I did it for that reason. And for many of our participants, it just was a life-changing experience. They found their health and their outlook was changing just because of the this sort of diet experiment that they were making. Mm. I just love how compassionate you guys are at PCRM. I mean, you do so much for animals, you do so much for public health, and then you take this issue, it's not fatal, but 
it's it's been haranguing women and women in midlife when they just start to feel like you know am i still valuable and all that the worst possible time it could happen and you paid attention to it so bless your heart that's just doesn't surprise me a bit and now you are having free classes for women with hot flashes that almost rhymed. Tell us about those. <laughs> we are. Um, starting October 12th, we're offering a couple of series of totally free classes for any woman who wants to put this to work for herself. And she may not be following such a healthy diet and wants to improve her diet, or she might already be doing, say, a totally vegan diet, but hasn't figured out the soybean part of it. Um, we'll talk about all of those things and how to really make it work, how to how to bring your um, family along with you. And uh, for many people, it can be very exciting. Cool. So do you have any magic for some of the other things that happen with menopause and after, um, you know, it's a lot yeah. of stuff. Yes, um, just a few things. Um, <laughs> first of all, with regard to the hot flashes, do do try all three, vegan, low fat, um, try the soybeans and see what happens. And, and you can also roast the soybeans. Um, after they're cooked, throw them on a parchment paper coated baking sheet, throw them in for an hour, 350 degrees, um, cook them until they're really crispy and they, They'll last on yourself for a long time. But let's say a woman says, I've got cognitive changes. I just don't feel like myself. My mood is crazy. That typically is going to wane on its own, but the diet will help with that too. If a woman says, my problem is really my sexual functioning um, intercourse hurts now, um, and that's because the vaginal lining is getting thin. And the thing not to do, in my view, is the doctor will say, well, take these hormone pills, and that's going to make you feel much better, and, and it will. However, that's going to increase the quite a number of risks for her. If she wants to use a hormonal treatment, it should just be a local cream that's put just in that local area. And the absorption of the systemic absorption is really quite small. And that's safer than, than swallowing it. It's also safer than say a patch, um, which has systemic absorption too. Great. And now how are we going to find out about these classes? PCRM.org and look at events. Exactly right. Yep. Go to PCRM.org. And on our events page, we have all of our classes. We have classes for diabetes. We have classes um, for all kinds of things. And the Hot Flashes classes are starting in October. Wonderful. So tell us what else is going on. Is there anything happening out there in the world of the scientific literature that's new and kind of fun? Well, some new and not so fun things uh, relate to COVID, but they're exciting. Um, when COVID was coming in, a lot of people were saying, tell people that a, a vegan diet would be great for COVID. And I really think the science wasn't exactly there um, at that point. However, a couple of things have come in just in the last couple of weeks. Number one, uh, two big studies showed that people following more plant-based diets are much less likely, dramatically less likely to have a severe case of COVID. Whether that means they are less likely to get infected or the infections just don't go anywhere is not entirely clear. But um, it is true that when people, the, the more your diet is plant-based, the less likely you are to have severe COVID. That's number one. Number two, if you get vaccinated, you know this, uh, most people get a benefit from the vaccine with regard to reducing the likelihood of getting COVID. But some don't. Maybe 5% of people, the vaccine just doesn't protect them. Well, researchers have looked into why that may be. And the things that make the vaccine fail, one is smoking, smokers don't get as good a result, but the others are all things that relate to your diet. If you're overweight, if you've got a high cholesterol, if you've got high blood pressure, 
all of these mean that the vaccination that went in your arm was not able to trigger the immune response that's going to protect you as well as it would have if you didn't have extra weight or a high blood pressure or high cholesterol. Um, and it's probably the, the big bad actor, unfortunately, is this accumulation of excess body fat that, that so many people struggle with and that, of course, we've always talked about. Um, it seems to impair the immune system's ability to respond. So if a person goes on a vegan diet, three big benefits. Number one, um, they're more likely to, to, to be free of severe COVID. Number two, their vaccine uh, response is going to be a healthier one. And finally, they're less likely to have all these underlying conditions like diabetes, hypertension, obesity that make COVID really a killer when it strikes. So I think now the science is sufficient for us to say in a COVID world, being vegan is the place to be. Oh, that's wonderful. And you have a terrific book about diabetes. Can you give us that title? Yeah, it, it has the, um, uh, the title, Dr. Neil Barnard's Program for Reversing Diabetes. And it's um, got lots of recipes and lots of tips. And one thing we're about to uh, let people know about is we just recently published new work, uh, new studies for people with type 1. Type 2 diabetes is a really common one. Type 1 is the one that often starts when you're quite young and, and you've lost your insulin production for the most part. But we're looking at what a, a plant-based diet can do for type 1. It won't get you off your medicine completely, but it'll probably reduce the amount that you need and reduce the risk of complications. Oh, that's exciting. So much great stuff. So shift us a little bit uh, into the animal world. What's going on there? Uh, are things better? Are there fewer animals in laboratories? You know, for a while there, we were saying uh, Americans are eating less meat. Well, evidently, that's no longer happening. But what, what's happening in, in the uh, laboratory situation? Um, three, there are three big categories. Um, the first is the use of animals in education. There, it has been really hugely uh, successful getting animals out. Um, back when I was uh, uh, new in practice. My first job was in New York down in, uh, down on 7th Avenue. There used to be a St. Vincent's Hospital down there. And when I was practicing there and we got started, almost the vast majority of medical schools were using dogs in medical education. The residencies were too. Well, as of 2016, every single medical school in the United States and Canada has stopped using animals to train doctors. Gone, finito, full stop. Um, and then we started tackling pediatrics residencies and emergency medicine residencies and trauma training residencies, and most of them have stopped too. Um, surgery residencies, most of them have stopped, but some are still using animals. We're working on them, and I'm, I'm quite sure that we'll, we'll win at all of them pretty soon. Um, so then the second big category outside of education is the use of animals in safety testing. Like, is this detergent going to be dangerous for you? And there has been a, a lot of success there, too. Um, the Environmental Protection Agency, after a lot of arm twisting, agreed to establish a policy saying that they would stop all use of mammals in any kind of safety test. Um, but they gave themselves a long time to do it. They said by 2035. Okay. So we, we, we appreciate the decision, but we're trying to speed them up a little bit. Um, and I think we can do that. They're, 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 they've become really quite a partner in this. And now we're working on FDA to do the same because they're the, you're testing medications and um, or, or vaccines for that matter. And the, the vaccines are all tested on animals in one way or another. And if they would 
go to more modern non-animal methods, we get the vaccines out faster, to tell you the truth. Um, and then the third area is the use of animals in research per se. And there, that is the area where we really need to see a lot more progress being made. Because I'm sorry to tell you, you can call a 1-800 number and get some rats and mice or guinea pigs or rabbits delivered to your laboratory. You can experiment on them without ever registering um, the, the name of the experiment that you were doing and how many animals you're using. Um, and it's um, got to change. There are journals out there that are glad to take your money to publish the results of your uh, animal experiment and this kind of stuff is skewing science and uh, hurting animals at the same time and it should stop. Well, I know that people like us were long told, you know, you just like animals, you're a bleeding heart, we have to do this, how else are we going to get progress for humans? But we know now that that's not true. So just pretend like you're a doctor who doesn't really think much about animals, but looks at this uh, <laughs> question in, in a, a rational way. Why is this research just not of value? Well, I think a lot of the, a lot of the issue is people, I, I think people have been sometimes slow to simply embrace better methods. Um, the vaccine approach is, is a really critical one. Um, when, when the coronavirus arrived, everyone was in a mad dash to get vaccines out. And they came up with vaccines, but to make them, they, they're made in batches. Each batch has to be tested to make sure it's free of impurities that could cause fever. So how do they do that? Well, they would test them. Believe it, I'm not making this up. They would test them on live rabbits to make sure that they, that they wouldn't get fever. It's obviously cruel, it's terribly expensive, and it's really, really slow because you have to do it for every single vaccine batch. They then switched to a different method that used blood from horseshoe crabs. Okay, um, a little faster, still cruel. Um, it kills an awful lot of these animals, and you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them used. Um, there's a new method, totally lab bench, extremely fast and technically better. Our limitation is really just the people knowing it, how to use it and being familiar with it. Um, so we're pushing the federal, federal government, and I have no doubt that they will accept this because scientifically it's better. But when something is a little new, sometimes people are just really slow to figure it out. Well, that's because they haven't been listening to you for as long as I have. <laughs> so uh, what's going on at PCRM other than these wonderful classes starting October 12th? on hot flashes and all your other wonderful classes. What are you guys working on right now? Well, we've talked about our work to get animals out of laboratories. We've talked about our clinical research. And the third big area really is nutrition education. And, and here, the pandemic was kind of a, a, a surprise gift in a way, is that we learned how to use Zoom. And so suddenly, instead of reaching 60 people in a library meeting room, we're reaching 600 people or 6,000 people on Zoom. So we've been doing um, a lot of teaching here domestically in the US, also in China and also in India uh, to, to really large groups. And I'm hoping that that means that they uh, move toward a completely plant-based diet will accelerate that much more quickly. When I opened the show today, I talked about going vegan to change the world and going vegan to change yourself. And when you try to change the world, I hope we'll succeed. When we do it to change ourselves, we do succeed. But looking at it from this kind of four-decade 
overview or so, where do you see we are with getting the world to be different or at least substantially enough different to make things change? I think people are still in two groups. There is a very large group of people that remains very self-interested and is also um, prone to eating whatever's in front of them um, and ignoring the cost. And, you know, it's, I sometimes try to look back at even my own upbringing. I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, and you're not an unintelligent person. I think, why did it not hit me that the cattle that I drove to the East St. Louis stockyards, why didn't it occur to me that they didn't particularly want to be hung up by the leg and have their throats slit? Um, why is it that we don't put two and two together? But for whatever reason, um, I think most people are still in that situation. So it's really incumbent on everybody else to help them wake up. Um, I think that the number of people who are rethinking their diet is bigger than ever. And they're doing it for the usual reasons. They're doing it for animals, they're doing it for the environment, they're doing it for their health. And some of them are doing it because they're worried about their kids or their families, the next generation. Those are all really good motivations. So yeah, I don't think it's overall a pretty picture yet. It's not, our, our work is not done. But the number of people who are changing and the number of products that are out there to support them, good heavens, more than ever. Aren't the products amazing? I, I heard it, an expert who, whom I respect, she's not completely plant-based, but she said, I just don't understand why these vegans want to have these faux meats and it's i mean that to me it makes absolutely no sense that somebody might be attracted to something that they grew up on as long as it doesn't come in an inhumane way so i think there's got to be room for everybody in all ways of doing this it's methadone if you're if you're if you're an addict, methadone gets you off. So uh, if you're if you're a burger addict, that veggie burger will help you, and the veggie bacon and the veggie sausage and all those things. I think of it as it's you know methadone to help them. Heroin addict get clean. There are these faux meats are they serve that function? Yeah, you know I, I just think when you've got a planet to save and all these animals suffering, there is no good thing that we can do that doesn't have a place somewhere. Yeah. So. Dr. Neil Barnard, you're just practically the best person in the whole world. Everybody, uh, if you have in a hot flash situation or know somebody who is, send them to PCRM.org. Check out events, and uh, that problem might just go away in a bag of soybeans. So I know you have another uh, appointment after this. So thank you so, so very much, Dr. Bernard. Most appreciated. And everybody else, thank you so much for listening and for being with us. Thank you, Unity Online Radio. To everybody out there, God bless you. Eat your veggies and some soybeans. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.